The Once in Future Nerd is independently produced. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, visit onceinfuturenerd.com support to find out how you can help. Listening to this show on an iOS device? Leave us a rating on iTunes, please. The Once and Future Nerd Book One, Princes of Jordan Chapter Nine, Darkness on the Edge of Town Episode One As you may recall, three Templars of Discord had just entered the inn where Billy, Jen, and Nelson were awaiting the return of their friends from the cairn of evil untold. As you may also recall, Billy and Jen had just retreated to a back room to pursue a private conversation before the Templars had arrived. If you will forgive me my brief anachronism, I would like to return our narrative to their conversation just prior to the arrival of the Templars. Billy, hey, listen. I'll put the food back, okay? I only ate like two pieces. I don't care about stealing the food. Ten pieces. I think we've got to run an audible with these college kids. Fifteen, okay? What audible? The one in back? The cranky one? I think you've got to hit on him. Hit him to hurt him or just to scare him a bit? No, no, no. Hit on him, I said. What? Why? Because he's only into guys. I am not doing that. I do it all the time. You can do it once. That's different. How? What do you mean, how? I'm, I'm not gay. Well, I don't want to sleep with any of the snobby douche bros I hit on either. Yeah, but you like the attention. <sighs> like fucking hell I do. Come on. Hey, don't be a jerk. Come on, you like it. Knock it the hell off. Am I right or not? Why can't you do this for me? What's the big deal? What's the big rush all of a sudden? Oh my god, you'd think I was asking you to blow him. You just have to flirt a little. I don't know how to flirt with a guy. Just do what you always do. Maybe it'll work. This feels weird. Do you not understand the stakes here? Yeah, Jenny, I'm not a moron. We need to go home and we need to do it soon. Yeah, totally, just, you know. Billy scuffed his shoes into the dirt floor of the inn, avoiding Jen's eyes. It took a moment for Jen to understand Billy's hesitation. Hang on. You do want to go home, right? Well, I sure as hell don't want to be here. But I don't really want to go back to Pennsylvania. What do you mean? Of course you do. Why? What do you think my future looks like back home? I'll finish high school, barely. Realize I'm not good enough at football when no colleges recruit me get a shitty broke-ass job in a factory, and listen to my dad tell me I'm I'm worthless for doing the same fucking thing he did? I don't believe this. You think I never knew any of that before? Why are you telling me this now? It's easy for you. You've got a shot at a future. You're smart. You can go to college. (laughs) On my single mother's crappy salary? You'll get scholarships and financial aid and shit. No! Back up! Easy for me? What the fuck, Billy? You don't know anything about what I've been through. Then why are you in such a rush to get back? Because if I wait any longer, I won't want to go back either. I I could be powerful here, Billy. Nia's like, actually scared of how good I am with magic already. 
I can walk anywhere in this world and be the smartest person in the room. Instead of Pennsylvania, where I can't do shit about shit and have to pretend to be stupid for people to like me. Are you talking about me? Sometimes. Look, I know you don't like feeling like I was smarter than... Like I was too smart for my own good. But I wasn't trying to show you up. I just had stuff I thought was worth saying. I think I can get better. No, no. It's not just that, Billy. It's everything. What do you mean, everything? Not just you. Our whole world. I don't know how else to say it. The whole way that I, like, understand myself. If I stay here much longer, I'm just going to be rid of all of that. Maybe that's a good thing, but there's no going back. Even if we go back to Pennsylvania, I'll be a different person. Jen took both of Billy's hands in her own. Her eyes locked with his. The girl I grew up with, she'll be gone. The girl who fell in love with you, gone. Are you trying to tell me you don't love me anymore? No, Billy, I'll always love you. I just don't know who I'll be or what it will mean for us. You'll be Jen. What are you talking about? I mean, there might not be much worth saving between us. No. You need to promise me you're not going anywhere. I can't promise that. I'm sorry. I love you. This is stupid, imagining all this future whatever. You're not going to suddenly change into a different person. I've already started, Billy. Oh, so what? We're, we're just done? Is this it? No, that's not what I'm trying- What are you going to do here without me? Go blow Nelson? Don't be gross. Don't dump me out of the blue. I'm not dumping you. This is the problem, Billy. I'm trying to talk to you about something hard, and you're just attacking me instead of listening. I heard all I needed to. Yeah, you always do. Oh, screw that. No. Bad things. Really bad things that I can't tell you because I'm scared. Wait, like what? Like, just... Okay, I've, I've wanted to tell you. Quite suddenly, Jen's balance deserted her. The girl nearly fell, only just managing to grab the nearby doorframe to keep upright. Look, I, I don't feel so good. You need to hurl? No, no, it's not, it's not like that. It's just... just as suddenly, Billy stumbled as well, falling to his knees. I think maybe I've hurl. I don't think it's just ethanol and that ale we drank. The door to the inn's common room slammed open, and the sounds of the commotion reached Billy and Jen. Gallantin, save us! Leaning heavily on each other for balance, Jen and Billy stumbled back down the hall towards the noise. They reached the common room to see three Templars of Discord looming in the tavern's entrance, their black cloaks flapping in an unnatural wind. Nelson's unconscious body slumped on the table where Jen had left him. All the patrons of the inn cowered under benches and behind doorways. The Templars glided into the room, a thick black fog accompanying them. Now you shall see the true face of God, and weep. The soul bears mine. Bryce Riverfell, the esteemed commander of the keep known as Freehold, was escorting a convoy of supplies through southern Jordan back towards his home. As you'll recall, this convoy had recently obtained a pair of stowaways just outside of Castle Guernacal. 
These stowaways were now explaining their presence, seated before Bryce himself in one of the covered wagons. Bryce Riverfell sat in silence until Arlene reached the end of her tale. Gods help you. Your own brother. Well, no one I like ever liked this son of a bitch. No offense to your lady mother. We don't take it lightly what we're asking you, General. Are you certain some gold would not make the burden somewhat easier to bear? Bryce shook his head. If I'm doing this, I need to at least be able to convince myself I'm doing it for the right reasons. One of Riverfell's outriders approached the convoy at a dead gallop, his horse frothing from the exertion. Stay as low as you can. Bryce followed the scout to the crest of a nearby hill, pausing only to gather two lieutenants, the large, dark-skinned man by the name of Clarence, and a smaller, bespectacled man known to his companions as the Professor. Together, they peered cautiously over the hill. What they saw troubled them deeply, although should come as no surprise to an astute audience such as yourself. After all, the tale of the three children has not crossed the tale of Arlene and Gwen in ages. They were bound to come together again eventually. What sort of terrible storyteller would I be if they hadn't? Well, fuck me. Dark days indeed. Templars of God's damn discord. To Bailey's. How well do you really know that woman? Don't be an arse, Clarence. She's not one of them, if that's what you're implying. I'm just saying I can't think of one good reason they'd come all the way to shit out here. I know her well enough, and she and everyone in her inn are in some serious fucking trouble. You ever fought one before? A Templar? Nope. Professor has, though. We brought bows, right? Yep. Riverfell licked his finger and held it to the wind, judging the distance to the Templars. Wind's with us. Should be in range for Stephen, Gareth, and Niels. Range isn't the problem. Look closely. As the three looked on, the forms of the three Templars flickered and blurred. No Templar appeared to stand in the same place for more than a second. They're protecting themselves from just such an ambush, using very powerful magics to mask their positions. You don't know a counterspell or anything like that? Not from here. But their spells require intense concentration. If they were distracted, we might get a decent shot and have time to charge them with lances. Maybe someone down there is smart enough to know that. Or fool enough not to care. Within the inn, Billy and Jen hid from the Templars. Although, truth be told, they barely clung to consciousness themselves. The lead Templar took the opportunity, as many in his position are wont to do, to deliver a sort of sermon. You know nothing of true power. It is not the solid world. The Eordic is puny and insignificant compared to... Oh man, your dick is puny and insignificant. Huh? The Templar's body snapped into focus for just a moment, the obscuring spell broken. What is that even...? The Templar fell an arrow protruding from his back. Two more arrows skimmed the air just past the other two cloaked forms. The remaining Templars quickly slammed the door of the inn. The unnatural smoke had vanished, and the Templars stood without a single intimidation spell to protect themselves. They leaned heavily against the stout oaken door. The wooden door of the inn, however, proved to be no match for Clarence, the big man who charged his steed in as if in a jousting tilt. 
The doorframe erupted in a shower of splinters. The lance also managed to squarely skewer the cowering Templars. The sight of a horse standing where the door had just previously been proved too much for Billy's poisoned mind. What the fuck is going on? You fucked this thing he was doing. Why am I so cold and dizzy? I... I don't know. Are we gonna be okay? I don't know. Two of them collapsed, unconscious on the floor. Clarence dismounted and casually shoved at the remains of the doorframe, opening the way for Bryce Riverfell to stride calmly into the inn, trailed closely by the professor and a number of his men. There any more of them? I God's damn hope not. Madame Bailey, the proprietor of the establishment, peeked over the edge of the bar, deeming the threat past, she dusted her apron and walked to greet Bryce. Riverfell himself favoured Madame Bailey with a very familiar grin. Miss Bailey? Ain't you a sight for sore eyes, General Riverfell? Can we ever meet when you're not deep in some shit? Do you ever marry the red-haired lass you was always singing about? The two stood in silence for just a moment, appraising each other, before Bryce turned to the destruction surrounding them. Anyone hurt here? These three here uh, took ill suddenly just before the Templars arrived. Professor, check on them. These three need help, and soon. I think they've been poisoned. Gods, I keep a few of the common antidotes in my pantry. As Bailey rummaged underneath the bar, the professor brought his nose close to Billy's mouth and sniffed deeply. <laughs> this is no cheap alchemist's trick. There's a fern that uh, grows on the border of the southern tundra. Eat a leaf and you die instantly, but the root can be made into a tea which will only cause hours of unconsciousness, high fever, and vivid hallucinations. Wonder who was the first guy dumb enough to eat the root after the leaf killed somebody. The only people known to use it are the Templars. You're saying these three are Templars too? Doubtful. They use the root for their initiation rites, which would be done in seclusion and surrounded by Elder Templars. The visions are meant to shatter the mind and thus allow it to be rebuilt as the Templars desire. So, these three probably aren't Templars, but the Templars wanted them to be? It's deeply odd. The Templars don't recruit. They usually want hopefuls to find them. They must think these three are... Extraordinarily important. Galadon only knows why. Guess that means they're important to us. In any case, they need medical attention. If the fever isn't controlled, they may never wake. You got your potions with you? Well, not the ones I need for this. I, I need to get them back to Freehold. I need to tell you that if I treat them, it will require all of my attention. If the siege you predict arrives before they wake... What else are we gonna do, Roy? Leave them here to die? You damn sure won't. Not in my inn. No, we won't. Get the men ready to leave just as fast as you can, and send for those other two. As Bryce's men carefully lifted the three children to carry them back to the convoy, a pair of young serving boys emerged from underneath the bar. The two boys each ripped off their aprons and threw them at Madame Bailey's feet. Sorry, Miss Bailey. Think we gotta quit? You're joking. If Templars are here, then we won't be. Thanks for everything, but we're not paid enough for that. Oh, fine. Be gone then, you cowardly bastards. Um, gathering you're shorthanded around here now. Aye, and who am I gonna hire? 
Oh, I can't pay much, but don't worry. If you're lucky, you'll get killed by a Templar and not have to worry about money. As it happens, I know some folks looking for work. I can vouch for them, but uh, they'll be happy not to ask too many questions of you if you don't ask many of them. How soon can they get here? Very soon. I take it very soon is also when you'll be leaving. As always. There aren't always Templars at my inn. Traff's army is riding on freehold with the Templars out in front. This was news to Bailey, as well as all the patrons of her inn. A shocked murmur rose from the crowd. Oh, Rice. Point is, if they get past us, this inn is the last of your worries. You see a bunch of people running from the west, follow them as fast as you can and as far as you can, and pray along the way. So, I'll see you again soon then. Bryce Riverfell gave the woman a sad half-smile, and then turned wordlessly to leave. Madame Bailey's gaze followed the retreating general for a long time. As her attention was elsewhere, Madame Bailey failed to notice a small vial, faintly glowing with a golden luminescence roll under a table. This vial, which you will recall was covertly given to Jen by Queen Regan, had fallen out of the girl's handbag as she collapsed. In the commotion, nobody noticed its loss. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. New episodes are released every other Sunday. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira, and directed by Christian Madeira. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel Garrett Arman Dan Dobransky Lily Drexler Anya Gibeon Ian Harkins All Notice Frank Queres Julie Reed Gregory M. Schultz Special guest appearances by Brandon Durden It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Alex Story is an associate producer The Once and Future Nerd is recorded by Brian Forbes at the Gallery Recording Studio in Brooklyn, New York with additional audio engineering by Sam Palumbo. Foley sound design and mixing is done by Sandra Ramirez. This episode was edited by Josh Perot. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Additional music by Christopher Montalbo. Thanks for downloading. <laughs>